My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Coast Vineyard Church, and it is so, so cool to have you here this morning, especially if you're here today for the first time. You know, we've, we've been calling this Big Invite Sunday, and uh, so if you're here, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for you for a while, and uh, it's no accident that you're here. You're here because uh, for some reason... Um, God has nudged you and, uh, and you're here with us this morning. So it's awesome, awesome to have you here. We're pretty, pretty stoked about that. And um, super excited too because today we're starting our new series on finding joy. And I won't ask you if, who wants to find joy. Put, I won't do that because I know that Kiwis aren't very um, brave at like putting their hand up. They're nervous that if I put my hand up, what am I... Next thing, someone's going to like think that I've volunteered for a job or something. So, so we're not going to get you to do it. But I know, just talking to people, that people want to find more joy. So that's what we're kicking off today. Hey, but, but before we do, I'd just love to do one thing. Uh, we've got a new vineyard church that is starting up today. They're launching today down in Napier, down the Hawke's Bay there. Uh, Bay Vineyard Church and uh, Sam and Jen Harvey, which, who are just a wonderful, wonderful leaders and pastors, uh, are kicking that off. Um, and I'd just love to pray for them this morning. And, uh, but if you do know anyone that lives down that way, uh, could I recommend that you let them know that Bay Vineyard Church is in town and to pop along and check it out. Let's pray for those guys. Father, we're just so grateful for, uh, for new churches, God. We're grateful for every church, but uh, new churches mean reaching new people and, and bringing your love and your, uh, your, your joy, your goodness into the community, God. And we just pray for them now. We pray for Sam and Jen, for the team, and for that, for all that's happening right now down in, in Napier, God. We pray that you would pour blessing and, and the fullness of the goodness of your kingdom, God, into that place that, that people would uh, be, uh, would, find, would find faith in that place. People would find hope, joy, peace, God, in that, in that place, God. Bless them, God, and we're so grateful for, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for praying with me for that. So, so here we are, finding joy. So my guess would be this many people. Some people will have had a week and they look back and there's actually lots to be joyful for. Others, perhaps uh, not so much. I know that I want more joy. I know that I want you guys to find more joy. So, uh, you know, joy, joy is just so important. And we're going to be unpacking this as we go through this season. You know, I've read, been reading a lot uh, about joy. And it was just this thing that I don't know, I guess uh, landed on my heart about a year ago. And I just, you know, the Bible talks about joy. Uh, and I just started to read a lot of this research and uh, uh, the science of this whole thing, as well as trying to unpack what the, our, our scriptures say about this. But there's, um, I did read that there's an Institute of Neuroscience and Psychology at the University of Glasgow. And they sort of made this little summary statement. They say that there are only four fundamental emotions. Three of these are negative emotions, fear, anger, and sadness. The only positive one is joy. So joy is nothing less than what makes the human experience satisfying. So you're, I'm glad you're here this morning. Joy is important, and I know that we'd all love to have more joy in our lives. And you guys are the smart ones that are here this morning. You've heard about this, finding joy. I've got, got to get into that. I've got to get into that. So you're the smart ones here this morning. You know, when the question goes out, if anyone ever asked you this, like, what do you want out of life? 
big, you know, the big questions. Uh, the response that most people will have when they stop long enough and they think about it, they'll say, like, you know, I just want to be happy. And I'll say, things like, you know, and what do you want for your kids? Well, you know, I, don't, I, I just want them to be happy. You know, I don't really care who they marry so long as they're happy. And, um, or they'll say they want more money. But, but usually, it's what do you want more money for? So you can buy stuff that you think is going to make you happy. So it's, and, uh, but, you know, my observation is, and there's a lot of research that's been supporting this, is that um, people seem to be getting progressively less happy. Read that um, over the last 15 years, there's been a 37% increase in teenage depression. Read that uh, by 2020 in the UK, they're saying that depression-related illnesses are going to be the major source of illness in the UK in 2020. Um, I'm going to offer you a couple of scenarios here this morning, and I want you to pick one, okay? So I'm going to offer you two scenarios, and you, I want you to think, like, which one would make you more happy? Okay, you have to pick one. Okay, no, we're not going to do the hands-up thing. Eh? I just want you to pick one. Okay, the first one is you win the lotto Powerball. $12 million yesterday, someone won it. So, uh, so that's the first scenario. Okay. Scenario one, you win the lotto Powerball. So you have to choose, all right? The second one is that you have an accident and you become a paraplegic. Just take your time. You got it? You've worked it out? Which one? You might think, what's this silly pastor talking about? Here's the thing. In 1978, they did some research. And specifically looking at people that have won big in lotteries and people that have been in an accident and have lost the use of their legs. Specifically trying to measure happiness. And uh, here's what they found. One year after, whether you'd won the lotto or whether you'd lost the use of your legs, one year after, your baseline happiness returned right back to exactly where it was before the event. Exactly the same. So if you were not that happy before you won the lotto, a year down the track, you are about the same amount of not that happy. If you're a particularly happy person, then one year after losing the use of your legs, you are back to that same place of happiness. Pretty interesting, eh? Pretty interesting, and if you want to, if you if you want to find out more about it, there's a guy called Dan Gilbert who uh, did a TED talk in 2006 called "The Surprising Science of Happiness." I know some of you are like into those kind of things, so if you wanted to find out a little bit more about it, um, but this that study and a lot of this current research it backs up you know, on happiness. It backs up this fact that happiness is not a product of your circumstances. It's not a product of your circumstances. In fact, the research, and like, I don't know, 
I just read it. These are smart people that are doing these research. The research has shown that only 10% of your happiness comes from your circumstances. So how much money you've got, your health, your job, your relationships, where you live. Just 10%. 50% comes from this, what they call like a genetic set point or a genetic set range that gets established in the womb and in very early childhood. It's this, it's, it's, it gets established there and it's kind of um, something that gets established. And then 40% is, is how you engage with your circumstances in the moment. So, and yet, most people, possibly even us, are chasing happiness through trying to change our circumstances. New clothes, new job, new car, new house, new wife. People, people are trying to change their circumstances. And there's a phrase that's used in psychology for this. It's called the hedonic treadmill. And you might have heard you know, the word hedonism. It's all around just looking for pleasure through the senses. So it's the, the hedonic treadmill. Um, and it talks about how when you get what you want, the joy of getting it quickly wears off because you've got it and you get used to having it. So then you want something else to make you feel happy. So it's this treadmill where you're constantly looking, I've got to find something else. I've got to change my circumstances again and again and again to make me happy, this, this treadmill. And in today's society, Western culture in particular, people are chasing, you know, it's a very materialistic life and they seem mainly concerned with these sort of sensory experiences, doing something that's going to make me feel good. Another TED Talk, I'm a big fan of TED Talks, um, a guy called Sean Acor did a TED Talk in 2011 and he's a Harvard graduate and he calls himself a happiness researcher. And uh, he says this, he says, so many people look at their life circumstances and say, if only I had dot, 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 dot. But only 10% of our long-term happiness is dependent on our external world. And 90% of our long-term happiness is dependent on the way our brains process the world. That tells us that what we perceive to be missing from our lives is not the reason for our woes. Neither the right job, the best college, degree of monetary wealth, nor social circle will make us happy. Apparently, we make ourselves happy or not. Great quote from Benjamin Franklin. He says, this, our happiness is up to us. Not, oh, sorry. He says, the Constitution only guarantees the people the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. Well, here's a few things to think about already. I'd just love to pray as we, we continue. Father, I just pray this morning that your presence would be here. God, I pray for each person here, whether they are someone that, that is a follower of you or whether they're just exploring faith. God, I pray that, that this morning would be helpful for us in terms of understanding ourselves, God, and understanding this whole thing of joy. And I pray that you're, you're, you would be at work in us in such a way to draw us towards uh, joy. Because joy, as we've learned, is one of the, the big things that make life 
so, so good. So God, be here, be at work in us, in Jesus' name, amen. So what is joy? Like, joy is this, it's, it's an amazing thing. And uh, we find it from like a range of experiences, like from, from tears of joy at the birth of a child, uh, through a big belly laugh at, at a good joke, even a little laugh at a bad joke. Uh, you know, the, the unexpected hooray when your sports team scores in the last minute to win the game. Um, you find $20. Joy comes through lots of things. It might just be like that, that contented smile during prayer or, or meditation. Um, and people ask, people ask, like, so is, is joy different? Is, is feeling joy different than feeling happy? Can you help me out here? Like, like what's what? And, and the psychologists are always wanting to bring definition to words. And so they would say things like, well, joy comes from being at peace with who you are, with what you are, and why you are, and how you are. Um, and happiness is triggered by external things. Or, or to put it another way, they'll say happiness is a bubbly and superficial and circumstantial feeling that kind of comes and goes, but joy is a deep-seated affection that endures. That's like a lot of what the psychologists say. But I was reading a book by a guy called... Um, Randy Alcorn, he wrote a book called Happiness. He's a Christian author. And I kind of like what he said. He said, you know, historically, there's really been no difference in the definition of these two words in the English language. You look in the dictionary, the Webster's Dictionary, and it defines happiness by saying it's joy, and it defines joy by saying it's happiness. And uh, so I'm just thinking, let's not just get too hung up on words, because if we're going to be looking at um, many places to, to find out about joy, but one of the big ones is looking at the Bible as well and looking at what some of the ancient wisdom says about joy. Um, we'll get hung up if we go, oh, yeah, but that talks about happiness and that talks about joy and which one is it. It's just like, let's just lump them all together. Does that sound all right? So, and then we can go, oh, good, I don't have to remember the, you know, what, the, what that's all about. Let's, let's go that way. Okay. So what gives us joy? What are some of the things that give us joy? What gives us joy? So there's a guy called um, there's a guy called Paul Ekman. Yes, some things just give us joy. <laughs> bubbles give us. Why do bubbles give us joy? What is the deal with bubbles? There's a guy called uh, Paul Ekman, and. Uh, when you have you ever seen have you ever seen dogs chasing bubbles? It's the best. There's a guy called Paul Ekman. He's an American psychologist, and uh, if you Google him up, they call him a famous American psychologist. Who's heard of Paul Ekman? Yeah, he's about three. Not that famous, but but, but in psychology circles, he's very famous. And uh, he's a professor emeritus at University of California. He's about 84 years old now. He's like a pioneer in the study of emotions. There was a TV program that uh, has been out, a TV program called Lie to Me. Has anyone seen, the, heard about the, the TV program Lie to Me? And it's all about this guy. He's got his business, and it's, he specializes in reading people's 
facial expressions to be able to tell what their emotions can tell whether they're lying or not. Well, they got all of their research for that program. They got it from this guy, Paul Ekman, and all of his, uh, his studies. So I guess he's kind of famous. Um, but he wrote about joy, and he wrote about how joy is associated with lots of different feelings. He talks about, and I'm going I'm to list them out here just to give us a framework. He talks about the pleasures of the senses. So sight, smell, taste, hearing, and touch. So it's that thing where the joy you get from chocolate, which could possibly be the number one <laughs> place. <laughs> or listening to Tchaikovsky, or smelling the fresh bread that's just come out of the oven, or getting into a spa pool. It's just um, looking at sunsets. It's that joy that comes from just the pleasure through the senses. Talks about uh, joy that comes from amusement, which is like when you, you know, when something funny happens, like a good joke. Um, I told my wife she drew her eyebrows on too high. She she looked surprised. <laughs> I wonder how many chameleons snuck onto the ark. <laughs> so there's amusement. Um, contentment. Contentment is just that calm satisfaction. It's just like, ah, what a good day. Um, excitement, which can come from through novelty or, or challenge. Um, it's like if you saw something interesting that you didn't expect to see, like bubbles on church on a Sunday. I know that for me that, that uh, every now and then I've got a good friend that invites me to go spearfishing and he's always, it's really an early start. Uh, you know, he usually wants me up at his place before the sun comes up. And so, but as I'm driving up to, uh, to Snell's Beach and the, the, lo- the light's just starting to come up and that sunrise, you know that the, you know, the sea's looking calm and just that the beauty and the anticipation of the day, even though it's been a very early start, there's joy. Relief, which usually follows on from another emotion like fear or anxiety. It's that relief. It's like when your daughter finally gets home at 3 a.m. <laughs> okay, it's relief. Um. <laughs> Wonder, seeing something that's admirable or astonishing. Um, this won't, you, Some of you won't relate to this that much, but... I was watching a documentary this week on a guy called Alan Iverson, who is a basketball, NBA basketball player from the, the 90s. And um, there was this one clip where he was just sort of breaking into the NBA, just in his sort of rookie year, and, and they played the Chicago Bulls. And Michael Jordan, who is the greatest basketball player that has ever been on the planet, was playing for the Bulls. And, um, and it's at... Um, it's, it's at Philadelphia, um, their, their stadium, so it's his crowd, but the Bulls are in town. Anyway, Alan Iverson pulls this move, I won't even try and show you what it was like, um, but where he completely faked out Michael Jordan and just left him, you know, left him completely bamboozled by this move and then jumped, shot the ball. But then they scans to the crowd, and everyone's going, oh, look what he just did to Michael Jordan. Just like, just universally across the stadium, everyone's going, oh, my goodness, did you see that? It's just this thing of wonder. Um, I can remember when I went to the Grand Canyon, and you can see pictures of the Grand Canyon, but when you see the Grand Canyon, it's like, are you kidding? 
that's a big hole. <laughs> that is, that is, it's just jaw-dropping. It really is um, wonder. Triumph is another thing that brings joy. Sometimes you can work and sweat and uh, do things, you know, like take a huge amount of effort that is really, really hard, um, but you get to that place of achieving something. Like it might be like, you know, winning the, the discus or, um, or building a deck or um, getting your, your, your degree, that sense of like joy that comes from the triumph of, um, of achieving something that has been difficult to get there. He talks about radiant pride, which is something that uh, you get joy from seeing other people achieve. Does that make sense? Um, here's an interesting one. There's no word in the English language for this. So I'm going to use the German word, it, and I'm going to mispronounce it, so just apologize in, in advance. Um, Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, which is a word, if you were going to join two words together in English, it's, or it's joy from someone else's misfortune. Yeah, there's a word for it. So if it was in English, it would be misfortune joy. It's the kind of, yeah, I know, it's like, and I was reading, the, like the Bible says, like, you don't want schadenfreude, but there's this joy that people take from seeing people, like you might be in business and your competitor's there and like they're doing better than you and, and then their business burns down. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> You're watching sport and there's like, a, you know, one of the top players is in the opposing team and he gets injured and he goes off. It's like, or you've seen those movies where there's the bad guy has just been mean to everyone the whole movie, and then he, he gets it right at the end, and you're like going, yeah! I'm like, hang on, I'm not supposed to feel like that, but... <laughs> Schadenfreude. And there's just two other... He talks about elevation, which is like when you see an act of... That's his word. You see an act of kindness or generosity or compassion, and it just brings you joy because you've seen something, you know, something cool. And gratitude is, talks about when someone does something selfless for you. It just, it, you know, there's joy that comes from that. And look, there's probably others that you can think of that um, you could add to that list. It's, um, but it's interesting when you look at that list, um, and these are ways that we experience joy, you can see that most of them are based on external circumstances. And we've already found out that only accounts for 10% of our joy. So, so we don't want to think that the key to finding more joy is just doing more of these things or experiencing more of these things. The key is how we engage with what life throws our way. And, uh, and the reality is, is that life can throw some pretty hard things our way. Um, you know, and there are some things that are genuinely are um, barriers to joy, you know, joy blockers. Uh, and... And we're, there's a four-Sunday series. So we're doing two Sundays, then we're doing Easter, then we're doing the following two Sundays. The last message, I'm going to talk about these joy blockers um, and to provide some real help in times where things come along that are, uh, are tough. And the, things are like, like fear, uh, stress, anxiety, um, frustration and anger, uh, Envy is a joy blocker. Depression, sadness and grief, despair, 
suffering and adversity, loneliness, illness, and, and the fear of death. You know, these are, and it, again, there, there could be more, but we're going to look at some of these things and, and provide some real um, help uh, because we don't want to just, uh, this is not just us sort of skipping through the daffodils kind of like joy, it's all, you know, and not, not want to acknowledge that, that life brings its fair share of smacks, you know, and I know that for many of you, you'll go, yep, yeah, it does, yep. But it's possible for us not to be defeated by these things, and that's what we're going to give hope for in that last message. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he's one of my heroes from South Africa. He played a, a huge part in the transition in South Africa out of apartheid, um, and uh, you know he's one of my favourite people. And he was key in setting up what they called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Uh, won't go into that a lot now, but um, it's in- incredible what that was, um, unique in the history of mankind, really. Um, but he says this, Discovering more joy does not, I'm sorry to say, save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we will laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive. Yet as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. We have hardship without becoming hard. We have heartbreak without becoming broken. So that's what we're going to look at on the last, um, the last message. So you're probably wondering, like, when am I going to talk about like, God and faith and how, what's, what, where does that all, all fit in? Um, and as we go through the series, we're going to... And it's important to understand what smart people have learned about joy, but then also to look at, like, well, what, is, what does it look like for us in our Christian tradition, in our, in our scriptures, and, uh, and unpack some things there. Um, so you're probably thinking, like, is he, I wonder if he's just going to talk about faith in the midst of this, these joy things. You know, this is a church. <laughs> um, let me just tell you, we will, we will unpack that each week a little bit more, but let me just tell you about a, a source of joy that is available. Uh, and as people of faith, you know, we have access to the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you're not that familiar with Christianity, the Holy Spirit is a supernatural gift from God for those of us that choose to follow God and to live His ways. And the Holy Spirit brings peace. The Holy Spirit brings comfort. The Holy Spirit brings power. The Holy Spirit brings change. The Holy Spirit brings wisdom. And the Holy Spirit brings joy. You know, it's been said that joy is the birthright of God's people. It says in Romans 14, verse 17, and again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Bible's got a bunch of books and they've all got names, and we're looking at a book called Romans, which was a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans 14, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And and the Bible also says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and fruit grows. Fruit grows. It's something that grows and follows of Jesus as they live connected to Him. And in Galatians 5, 
22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And there's a few others as well, but love, joy, and peace. Something that should just be growing in us. So as, as the people of Jesus, we should also be known as the people of joy. Uh, as people who have chosen you know, to turn to God for forgiveness, for, for mercy, for, for hope, and for peace, and this joy is given us to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I know what some of you might be thinking. You might be thinking, I know some Christians, and um, they don't seem to have much joy. And I know, I think, you know, we all probably know people like that. And I, I don't know, what's that all about? Well, maybe they just haven't stepped into God's promises that much yet. Or maybe they don't really live that connected to Jesus. But you know what? Just, just imagine what they'd be like if they didn't have God in their life. You know, <laughs> like, 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 let's be a little bit grateful. Um, but you know, we sang that that song um, earlier, and um, we sang a number of songs this morning that just talked about. Um, stepping into this forgiving grace of God. And that last song we sang, Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. You know, forgiveness, how's it go? <laughs> forgiveness was bought with the precious, precious blood of, of Jesus Christ. And um, I was going to steal it off the thing there, but then I thought they might get back up at the end and, and sing it again for us. So, um, and there is this joy that comes from knowing that that you're forgiven, that before God, that you're in this place where it's all been made right. You're in this place where you know that because of his promises to us, that as we ask for forgiveness, he gives us forgiveness for the things that we've done and we can stand before him in a right standing and accepted by him and loved by him, loved tremendously by him. And his love doesn't, depend on you asking for forgiveness. His love is for you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're, you're doing, no matter um, what's happening in your life. His love is for you. There's this, this joy that just comes, though, from knowing that you're forgiven. It says in Psalm 32, and again, it's another book of the Bible, and uh, it's kind of the message version here. Psalm 32 says this, Count yourself lucky. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate's wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you and you're holding nothing back from him. You know, being made right and living right with God, it does, it brings a joy. It brings a joy. And I don't know, um, you know, where you're up to today in terms of your journey of faith. There's many people here and you may be... Um, you may be looking around and seeing many people here that are people of faith, that, um, um, that you're thinking like, I'd like something that's a bit more real when it comes to my faith. You know, I'd, there's something, something that just feels right and good about being in relationship with God. And Maybe, maybe today's a day where 
you, got, you, know, you could go like, I'm going to step into that. And when I finish, I'm going to give some room for, for you to do that, just, you know, just in, in where you are. But um, let me just finish with this, that um, you know, many of you here, like I said, are people of faith. And, uh, but I know, too, that there's the potential that our reality when it comes to joy it may not be what we would like it to be, or it may not, there may not be as much joy as what we would hope there to be, or we may see other people and go like, why don't I feel that same sort of joy that they have, like that deep joy? So, so like I say, over these next three weeks, we're going to just be sharing like a whole bunch of current research and science around joy, and you know what? Surprise, surprise. The, the conclusions they come to, they all line up with our Christian scriptures, with the Bible, that uh, it's we find out that what they're just discovering with all of their 21st century research is exactly what our scriptures have been inviting us into all along. And it has a lot to do with just how we kind of orient our mind and our heart. Uh, like I say, it's not so much to do with what's happening in your life. It's around how you engage with that. So, um, so you're going to have to come back and discover a whole bunch of ways to... Uh, to see more joy come into your life. But I'll tell you this, it's not going to be about getting more stuff, about getting a better job, about changing your clothes, and um, although some of you could possibly do that. But, um, more, <laughs> more, more for the joy of others than... Uh, uh, I'm so sorry, that's not in my notes. I don't, know where that, I don't know where that came from. You're looking lovely. You're all looking really good this morning. You know, one of the, um, the sneak previews I gave, if you, uh, if you weren't here uh, two or three weeks back, we were talking about uh, serving, um, serving others. And um, one of the um, studies that they've found is, uh, so I'm giving you a sneak preview as well, uh, that um, when you do something kind for another person, uh, it releases um, dopamine in your brain. Now, dopamine is a neurotransmitter, which is like a, it's a chemical that allows... Um, nerve cells to talk to other nerves and neurons to talk to neurons so it opens up those pathways and dopamine is the one that opens up pathways that allow you to feel really good and um, cocaine releases dopamine so I'm just saying this is just a little sneak preview of like helpful hints this is like if you did something kind for someone it it's it will give you that same kind of great feeling that cocaine gives you and except it's just a lot cheaper it's um, a lot better for your health, and it's way better for your relationship with the police. Okay, so there's, we're just going to be throwing out handy little tips like that as we go. So please come back next week to learn more. Why don't we stand together as we finish?